Well, again, it's good to have all of you here with us, and we're going right back into our series that we started a couple of Sundays ago. We've been talking about the heart of Christmas, and we're going to do that today, and I'm glad that you are here for that. Now, don't forget, next Sunday, can you believe it, Christmas falls on a Sunday this year, and um, the question might would be, if you don't already know the answer to it, would we have church on Christmas? Really? It's Jesus' birthday. We got to have church, and we will have church, and it'll be a great time. Now, we're going to keep our same hours. This is important to keep in mind. We're going to keep our same hours, uh, 9, 30, and 11, but we're going to have a 60-minute service. It's going to go 9, 30 to 10, 30, uh, one-hour service, and then 11 to 12. And so whatever, if you get up and, you know, celebrate with your family and want to come to a later service, that's fine. If you want to come to this service, 930 service, and we'll just wrap it up a little sooner than normal. And we're going to have a kids component in it because the kids are going to be in here and the students are going to be here. It's going to be a wonderful time. There's going to be a kids part in it. We're going to have gift for kids. We're going to have, uh, you know, some, some uh, songs that kids will sing along and songs that we'll be doing as adults. It's going to be, a, we're, I'm just saying, we're going to pack a lot into an hour. And you're saying, can you really do all of that in an hour? We will do it in an hour. And you will know that the days of miracles are not over. It will happen. I'm telling you, it will happen. 60 minutes. In fact, I may just intentionally end the service at 59 minutes to prove that we could do it. Well, in this message series that we've been walking through this month, we've been asking that question, Well, what is at the heart of Christmas? What is Christmas? I mean, when you really just pause, because it's so chaotic. How many of you have had enough parties already this year? How many of you have had enough parties? How many of you have partied out already? All right, I am. How many of you have shopped enough? How many of you... All right, that's a bad question for ladies. You've never shopped enough. How many of you have eaten enough already? You could fast from now till January 1, and you know what? Balance everything out. All right, so, but when you stop, when you pause, when you do a timeout, what is really at the heart of Christmas? And we started this a couple of weeks ago, and we said, well, when you really think about Christmas, uh, the spirit of Christmas is the spirit of generosity. And so we talked about generosity in the very first week of this series, and we looked at four things right out of the Bible, that generosity causes us to be more like God that generosity keeps selfishness from taking root in our lives because all of us are born into this world selfish. All of us are born into this world as takers, not givers. How do we switch that around and become givers instead of takers? We said, thirdly, that generosity will grow our faith because nothing will test our faith like our finances will. And God is always going to test us there just to be sure that we're faithful and he will grow our faith in the process. And then we said, lastly, concerning generosity, that generosity causes our life to be blessed by God. You cannot get around that. If you're a generous person, the Bible says this again and again and again and again, that if you're a generous person, that God is going to bless you. In fact, he will go beyond what your level of generosity. And I said in that last week uh, of that last point in that uh, two weeks ago, that it is true. You cannot outgive God. So we talked about generosity in week one. If you were not here, I encourage you to go on the website and listen to that. If you missed last week, Uh, Then we talked about in the second uh, installment of this series that generosity is all about love. And we started by talking about, you know, those who love Jesus are going to obey his teachings and commands. That's the Bible. What the Bible says, if you love me, Jesus said, you will do what I tell you to do. 
So we started talking about, you can't, you know, really talk about Christmas without talking about love. And so we said that those who love Jesus will obey his teachings and commands. And then we kept going and we said, you know what? Jesus wants us to love everybody. And again and again, it's replete in the Bible. He wants us to love each other. And then we said, Jesus, even, and this was the hard part, and this is a part that you weren't necessarily fired up, I'm sure, about me talking about, and I wasn't fired up necessarily about talking about it, but we have to talk about it because it's in the Bible, and we've got to live it if we're authentic Christians because it's in the Bible, and that is Jesus said, we've got to even love our enemies. And we talked about that. And then we could not walk out of this place last Sunday without going lastly and looking what the Bible said about God's great love for you and how much that God really loves you, which is such an insane amount that your mind, my mind, cannot even begin to comprehend that. Now today, as we continue the series, I really want you to place three words in the front of your thinking, in the front of your brain, and here are the three words. And I'll keep coming back to these three words. It's why I wanted to be in the focal point of your thinking. And the three words are this, for all people, for all people, because that is what is at the heart of Christmas. When you really stop and do a timeout and you say, well, what is Christmas all about? It's about generosity. It's about love. But at the heart of it, it's for all people. This verse is talking about the very first Christmas. You're going to see it up on the screen. This is Luke chapter 2 and verse 10, and it says, But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you. What kind of news? I bring you good news of great joy that will be for, read the last three words, for all the people. Let's read those last three words again. All the people. The good news. And you just let that settle in for a moment. This good news, this good news that God has brings great joy is for all people. Listen, friends, it may not be true in a lot of segments of life, but it is certainly true with God that God never plays favorites. He never has. He never will. He does not play favorites. And really, I'm I'm just telling you, it does not matter who you are. It does not matter what you've done, how long you've done it. The good news of Christmas is for you. Some of you may be seated right here today and you say, well, you know what? That cannot be true for me. God can't have any good news for me. There can't be any great joy for me. Look at who I am. Look at what I've done. This cannot be. No, the Christmas story is it's for all people. It's for all people. Some of you may be on the opposite spectrum, the opposite end of that. And you may say, well, I I can't believe that Christmas would be for all people because there's a lot of people that I know. There's people that I work with. There's people that I'm around. Are you telling me that Christmas is for them? Uh, You can embrace maybe that is for you, but it cannot be for them. But I've got to tell you, you're wrong because it's for everybody. Christmas is for all people. Now, we, we've been talking about the birth of Jesus, and then 40 days after that, I have not mentioned this to you yet, although if you read the Christmas story, you know it, that 40 days after Jesus was born, he was taken to the temple by his parents, by Mary and Joseph, so that he could be dedicated. We have baby dedications, and I mean, it goes way back into the Old Testament, but we see that this was so important that uh, Jesus' parents were taking him to the temple to be dedicated. And he's going to be dedicated, Jesus is, by an old priest, an old priest by the name of Simeon. Now, I I don't have time to get into the totality of the story, but there had been a promise that had been sent to Simeon from God, and the promise was this, you're an old man, you're an old man, 
And that was not new news to him. He knew he was an old man. But here was the news. You will not die until you have seen the Messiah, until you lay eyes on the Messiah, until you see the Savior of the world. Simeon, you're you're not going to die before that occurs in your life. Now, look at these next couple of verses. This is still in Luke 2. Look at what it says. This is after Simeon is taking the Christ child in his arms. And this is what he said. He said, I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. You know, God, now he said, I, I can like, I can go to my place of rest in peace. I can go on to heaven right now because I've laid my eyes. I've seen the salvation of the world. I have seen, I have held, I have embraced the Messiah of the world. And he said, I've seen him with my own eyes. I've seen your salvation plan for the whole world, your plan to redeem every person. And it is, Simeon said this, as prompted by God, and it is for all people. So what I want to do for the remainder of our time, I want to talk about that. I want to talk about God in light of Christmas, in light of it being for all people. God, Christmas, in light of all people. And I'm going to give you, I mean, I gave you four things the first week. So I I gave you four things last week. So it would only stand to reason that I would give you 64 today. We're going to be here a while. Not really. We're four, four. Some of you got nervous. You, please. You don't know me. Are you? All right, four. All right, here we go. Uh, things about all people, God and Christmas. Number one, be sure you get it. You may want to write it down. Put it on your tablet somewhere, phone. God is good to all people, and he is. God is good to all people. Now, do you know how often, when you think about it, how often that people get God and Santa Claus totally confused? People start saying, let's see, what, what does it say? He's making a list. He's checking it twice. He's going to find out who's naughty or not. Is that Old Testament or New Testament? Which is it? That's not from the Bible. That does not come from the Bible. That comes from the North Pole. That is not God saying, you know, I'm going to making a list. I'm checking it twice. I'm watching, find out who's naughty and nice. That's not what God does. The reality is God is good to all people. Now you say, do you really believe that? I believe it entirely. Why do I believe it? Because it's in the Bible. Look at Job 25 in verse 3. Look at what it says. It says, his light shines on, what does it say? All people. God's light shines on all people. Look at this next verse. This is out of the New Testament now. Matthew 5, the B part of verse 45, and it reads like this. You see it here on the screen. He causes the sun to rise on good people and on evil people, and he sends rain to those who do right and to those who do wrong. God is good to all people, and you've got to know that. The Christmas story is the story. It is good news. It is great joy for all people that God is good to all people. Now, do you know what is still, though, and I know this, and you know it, we reason it, we think it through, but do you know what is still so curious to me, and that is how often God gets blamed when something goes wrong? I mean, God is good to all people, and I could show you a lot more than that. If I had more time, I could show you more than that, but God is good to all people, and isn't it amazing how that anytime anything goes wrong, it's like God gets the blame for that? 
You know, I, I was thinking a lot about that while working on this talk. That would be like in the neighborhood, if you live, or apartment complex, or condominium units, wherever it is that you live, that would be like people. You're, you're one neighbor among many, and it would be like people blaming you, indicting you, implicating you anytime something went on in the neighborhood that was undesirable. It would be like, they, your fault. It's your fault. It'd be walk out and start, well, my yard has all these mole crickets and they are just eating my yard up. And then they'd look at you and say, I don't know how it's true, but it's your fault. You're responsible for this. You did this to me. Or, or somebody says, you know what? My dog got sick. I, I, I don't know how you're connected to it, I, but it's your fault. I, I've, my roof has damage. My kids, I don't know how, but my kids misbehave. How many of you know that? That would be utter foolishness. My kids misbehave, but that's your fault. And you get blamed for everything that goes wrong in the neighborhood. A couple has a fight and somehow it's your fault that we had a fight. In fact, I, I was thinking about this, you know, because exchanges and husbands give, wives gifts and wives. And, and this guy, he was talking about a gift that he gave his wife last Christmas. And it was still obviously in his, in his mind because he said, you know what I, I gave my wife last year? I gave her a mood ring. How many of you remember what a mood ring is? <laughs> he said, I gave her a mood ring. He says, amazing thing. When she's in a great mood, when she's real happy, it's blue. But when she's in a bad mood, it leaves a red mark on my forehead. It's your fault. Listen, friends, God is not our problem. God is good to all people. We have two problems. Our problem is the devil, and the problem is us. We're our own problem. We, we bring things upon ourselves. God is good to all people. This is a message of the Bible. In fact, read this with me. This is Psalm 145.9. Read it with me, everybody. The Lord is good to everyone. He's good to everyone. You see, everything that is good in your life. I want you to think about this. This is at the heart of Christmas. Cannot talk about Christmas without talking about this. At the heart of Christmas is this, and that is that God is so good to you, and everything that is good in your life has happened because it's a gift from God. It's not on the screen, but Titus 3, 4, and 5 says this. God, our Savior, showed us how good and kind he is because he saved us. He saved us. Never, never say, I want. This is dangerous words. Never say it. Never say, I want what I deserve. I want what I deserve. No, you don't. You don't. And I don't. In fact, if we got what we deserve, I'd be speaking to a much smaller crowd. Or flip it around, which would probably be more accurate. It'd be a lot of you here, but there would not be a speaker if the speaker got what he deserved. How many of you know it is a dangerous thing to say, I, I, want, I, I really want what I deserve? None of us want what we deserve. If we got what we deserve, God would have wiped us out. He would have annihilated us a long time ago. Why has he not? Because God is good to all people. Secondly, do not miss this. And that is that God feels the pain of all people. God feels the pain of all people. He, he really does. Did you know that God is fully aware of every pain that you've ever had? Some people choose, however, though, to live and think as though God created the heavens and the earth, which God did. 
And then at a later time, he sent Jesus into the world at Christmas, which he did. But then since that time has occurred, nobody's heard from God since. Like, where is God? God's aloof. God is standoffish. God, you know, he did this, he did that. But now, I mean, maybe, maybe God's retired. Maybe God did his thing, and, and now God's been at this so long, and maybe he's just retired to Maui now, and nobody's heard from him since then. That is not so. I assure you that God is as active and present today as he has ever been, and I want you to know this, that he feels the pain of all people. He feels your pain. He knows what you're going through. He knows what is troubling to you. He feels your pain. He understands your pain. You know why why God can understand your pain? You know why Jesus understands your pain? Because Jesus has been there. He has suffered too. And when you fundamentally think about it, for Jesus, it started on his very first day on earth. Just compare the... I mean, this is just one of many. Just compare where you were born. Where I, I was born at a really, really good hospital in Atlanta, Georgia. Now, some of you would say, well, that's not, you know, maybe the hospital was okay, but the city, you know. But, I mean, I was born at what was, the, you know, back in 1983, what was a modern city at that time? Okay, maybe not. I need to ask for forgiveness before I move on. But think about where you were born, and then think about where Jesus was born. I mean, he knows pain. He knows suffering. Jesus understands all of your aches and all of your anguish and all of your anxiety. I want you to take a look at Hebrews 4.15 up here on the screen. Jesus understands every weakness of ours because he was tempted in every way that we are, but he did not sin. And Jesus knows. Some of you right now, you've, you've got pain in your heart about a relationship with a family member or friend. You've got pain in your life because of somebody who betrayed you. You've got pain in your life because somebody stabbed you in the back. Maybe you've got pain in your life and anxiety in your life because you're deteriorating health. Maybe it's something that is not good. You look at Christmas season and you feel utter financial pressure and you've just got pain. You've got anxiety. You're anxious. You're worried. You're just all, it's like you're all knotted up. Jesus understands every bit of it and he cares about every bit of it. He not, only, he not only understands your pain, but do you know that Jesus also sees your tears? Sometimes, to my, to my own uh, demise, I have pride in myself on not being a crier. I'm not a crier. Now, why have, why have I said that? I, I'm, I'm not a crier. I've said it, I think, you know, reflecting on it uh, momentarily. I, I've, I've said it, I think, for two reasons. Because, number one, I want to appear to be stronger than what I actually am. And so I'm not going to be a crier. Or here's a second reason, probably more pronounced, because I'm a really, really stupid person. <laughs> and I just say, I'm not going to cry. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not going to allow myself to cry. And that's foolishness because so many times, how many of you know this, that sometimes healing comes through our tears. And Jesus understands those tears. Now, I've, I've changed it up. I mean, um, I've, I've changed it up. I mean, just this year, I've... I, I've cried at least, and I can remember, I mean, three times that, you know, that I know of, probably more, but I've cried. I, I cried, I cried this summer when my son and daughter-in-law, who I shall never forgive, <laughs> I have to, because I have to love even my enemies who took my grandbabies 1,200 miles away. 
And boy, I cried. I can remember thinking one morning that I was up and I get up really, really early. And I, I, I just so, it had not happened yet, but I just received the news. And honestly, I was standing like in the doorway of the closet and I, I just have my forehead against my hand like that. And I'm just, I'm crying. And apparently I'm crying a little bit louder than I thought I was crying. And I was just thinking about, oh man, these babies who I adore, they're moving. I mean, they've been 2.5 miles away. Now they're moving on 1,167 miles away, 0.3. But now they're here, and I've got a plan. I've got two baby dolls I'm going to buy. Not for them, for their parents. <laughs> Take the dolls, leave the babies. The babies do not need to be in nine-degree weather. That is not God's will. It's God's will that they be able to swim year-round. That's God's will. So I, I cried, you know, when my granddaughters moved to Illinois. I cried a couple of months later in September when my dad died. I said that I wouldn't because I'm stupid. <laughs> and I want to pretend I'm stronger than I am. Only problem was I'd actually flown. I was in Illinois. I'd flown from Illinois to Tampa. Uh, Drew, our other son, picked, us, picked me up in Tampa, brought me, changed, got in the car, drove to Valdosta, Georgia, got to the funeral home, had never been to that funeral home before, of course, and the GPS, would you know, would take me right by my dad's house, and I'd see his house, and I'd see his vehicle, and I knew that just inside of that house was his recliner, that I would never see him in again, and I cried. Cried when my granddaughters moved. I cried when my dad. I, I cried when Florida beat Georgia on October the 29th. I sobbed. I mean, I was uncontrollable. Nobody could comfort me. Okay, so maybe I didn't cry. But you've never shed a tear that God has not seen. How do I know that? Psalm 56, 8. Look at this verse. You, talking about God, you keep track of all of my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. God not only understands your pain, He has seen every one of your tears. What has caused you pain this year? What has made you cry? What has broke your heart this year? Do you realize that if you've been brokenhearted or if you're brokenhearted now, that God has never been nearer to you than when you're in a season of being brokenhearted? How do we know this? Look at Psalm 34, 18. Psalm 34, 18 says this, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. You see, Christmas is for all people because God is good to all people. That's the message of the Bible. God is good to all people, and God feels the pain of all people. Thirdly, God sent his son to die for all people, for all people, not just for some, not just for the, the current Christians, not just for some who live. You know, the, God sent his son to die for all people. Why did God send his very best? Why did God send his only son, Jesus, into this dark, broken, messed up world? Why did God do that? The Bible is abundantly clear on this. He did it to save all people from their sins. He did it to save us from our sins. How many of you know that we're all sinners? How many of you know we're all, I need to, how many of you know that we're all sinners? I need to see your hands, all right? And the ones who did not raise your hand are sinners because you're not honest. So now go ahead and put your hand up. We're all sinners. In the Bible, we see a symbol. 
we see a metaphor at work, and it is this, that Jesus, here's his unique language, that Jesus is called the Lamb, the Lamb of God, the sacrificial Lamb. Uh, John one twenty nine. John saw, the Apostle John sees Jesus, and Jesus is walking in his direction. It's not on the screen, but John one twenty nine. John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, of all people. And I just found it unique. And a lot of the resident theologians that are part of our church uh, have much clearer understanding on this than, than I. But I, I'm like, you know, why a lamb? And then it's like dawned on me. Uh, a lamb is a very, very innocent animal when you really think about it. In fact, if I were to ask you to name an innocent animal, you would probably not mention a dog. I mean, it's not because you don't love dogs. You, I love dogs, especially bulldogs. But you probably wouldn't say a dog is innocent because you've probably had a dog at some point in your life that was mischievous. You had a dog that was hyperactive, that was rowdy, that was uh, disobedient. And, and so if I were to ask you, what is, what is an innocent animal? A dog would probably not immediately come to your mind, nor would a cat. <laughs> My granddaughters love cats. But I, I can't figure I, can't, I, I don't dislike cats, I don't think, uh, I, but I just can't figure them out because I've never met a cat that did not have some sort of an attitude problem. <laughs> it's like, have you ever, uh, you know, it's not like, hey, kitty, come sit in my lap and let me pat your little, I mean, you know, a cat just has its own deal. It's like, hey, it's like, nope, see you later. Take, you're not even here. I'm just going to do my own thing. It's not a cat. Some of you know that my mom, and I was talking to mom yesterday, when my mom was very small, my, my, my grandfather was in the army, and he was stationed in Panama. Some of you have heard me tell this story. He was stationed in Panama, not Panama City, but Panama, the country. And so, you know, he had all of his kids, five kids, my mom and three aunts and uncle. They were all away from family. And so my, my grandfather went out and bought a spider monkey and brought the spider monkey. How many of you know a spider monkey is not an innocent animal? And man, did that, and my grandmother could not stand. Bobo, Bobo was his name. Grandmother could not. In fact, one day they're driving down the highway. They're driving down the highway, and it wasn't like cars had air conditioning, windows open. All the kids are in the back, and, and this monkey was just just agitated with the kids, and just kids are trying to sleep, pulling his hair, and then finally, I don't know how this uh, ended up, but the monkey actually was sitting up, this little spider monkey. My grandmother was, was driving, and the little spider monkey, I kid you not, my grandmother told me this story a few years ago. She's driving the car down the highway. My grandfather's in the passenger seat, all the kids in the back. Bobo's sitting up on her shoulder, and she's driving down the highway. And for some reason, I think it was because he suddenly became demon-possessed. I'm not sure. I can't prove that. But Bobo leaned down for no apparent reason and bit the daylights out of my grandmother's neck while she was driving the car. Just took a bite. My grandmother's feisty. She reached back. I kid you not. She kept this hand on the wheel, and she reared back and punched Bobo, knocked him clear out of the window. Driving down the road. Not Bobo, out of the window. The kids, now see what's going on. The kids are screaming. They, Bobo's gone, Bobo. And you know, Dad, he's waiting. And they looked out the window. I'm not making this up. My grandmother told me this, and my grandmother does not make up stories. She said the only thing that saved Bobo was Bobo was on a leash, even in the car, and the kids looked out, and Bobo was... 
climbed back into the window after he'd been punched out by my grandmother. <laughs> Innocent animal? Not a dog, not a cat, certainly not a spider monkey, but a lamb. Lambs are innocent. Lambs are harmless. They're not predators. They've never hurt anybody. Jesus, the Lamb of God, had done absolutely nothing wrong. He did not deserve to die. He was without fault and completely sinless. But yet he did because God loves and God cares about all people. And he sent his son to die on the cross for all people. From heaven, you think about it, from heaven to a manger, to a cross. And without the cross, when you really think about it, without the cross, Christmas is really irrelevant. Why celebrate? Why have lights and decorations and music and gifts and celebration? Why, why, why go to all the trouble if the Christ child had not grown, become a man, and then went to the cross to die in our place, to pay off our sin debt? 2 Corinthians 5.15 says this. You'll see it on the screen. Jesus died for everyone, everyone, all people, so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was, was raised for them. So we're saved. All people, it's available. Not all people are saved, but it, salvation is available to all people. And we're not just saved from something bad like shame and sin and hell, but we're also saved for something good like peace and significance in heaven. And it leads me to the last thing that I want to mention to you about God and Christmas, uh, being for all people. I said, firstly, that God is good to all people. You remember that? If you remember that, wave at me so I can know that you remember that. I said that God feels the pain of all people. If you remember that, raise your hand like that. Just wave at me that God sent his son to die for all people. You remember that? Last of all, God wants to share his home with all people, his home. God wants to share his home with all people. It has been said that where you are 10 years from now will be based largely upon what you read and who you know. You need to hear me on this. Everybody, everybody, everybody. Forget about your Christmas list. Forget, forget about lunch. Forget about, you know, wondering how much longer is he going to go on. Just hear this. How does a person, any person, get into heaven? It's based on who you know. It's based on who you know. If you personally know Jesus Christ as the Savior and the leader of your life, if you know Jesus as the forgiver of your sins, if you've invited Christ into your life, and you've received what Jesus did for you on the cross, you know Jesus personally, you're going to get in. You're going to get in. But I've got to be clear. If you don't know the Son, if you don't know Jesus you're not going to get in. You're not going to be able to buy your way in. You're not going to be able to earn your way in. You're not going to be savvy enough, smart enough, clever enough. You know, you may be one of these people that just says, I, I can make things happen. That you will not be able to make happen. Well, I've achieved so much in my life, and I've, worked, and I've grit, and, you know, I've faced impossible situations, and I've overcome them. You're not going to be able to make that happen. You just will not. I was amused by a story I read some time ago. It's about a little boy. He's waiting on his mother to come out of a store. As he waited, he was approached by a man who asked, Son, can you tell me where the post office is? The boy replied, Sure, sir. Just go straight down the street two blocks, and it's on your right. The man thanked the boy and then said to him, Hey, son, I just wanted to tell you I'm the new preacher in town, and I'd like for you to come to my church on Sunday. And if you do, I'll show you how to get to heaven. 
And the little boy started laughing. He said, I don't think so. You don't even know your way to the post office. <laughs> how can you tell me how to get to heaven? But God knows the way. And Jesus has made the way available to you and to me. Because Jesus died on the cross for us. And God wants us to spend all of eternity with him in heaven. God wants to share his home with all people. Did you know this about you? That when God made you, he not only made you to love you, but do you know that God made you to last forever? You know that? Hey, this may be some of the best news you've ever heard in a while. You're going to live forever. You're going to live forever. Really? Yes. What, now, I've got to tell you, one day your heart's going to stop beating. It's already started, hasn't it? But one day it's going to stop. But when that day comes and your heart stops beating, you're actually going to continue to live. That will not be the end of your life. You'll live on because God created you to live forever. Now, you're not going to live on earth forever, all right? You're just not. Let's say you have 80 years. That'd be good, wouldn't it, have 80 years on earth? But how does that stack up against trillions of years in eternity? Trillions. If you live to be 100, wouldn't that be great? That's nothing. That's nothing. You wouldn't even, in light of eternity, be considered a newborn. Your life on earth is going to be small. I didn't say you're going to live here forever, but you're going to live somewhere forever. Someone has written this. The next season of your life is a forever season. This one lasts for a while, and then it's done. It's over. Your heart stops beating. You stop breathing. There's a funeral service. And everybody, or most everybody, look as though you have died when in reality you've just changed locations. But it matters about where you end up. There's not a lot of options. Especially there's only two. It's heaven or hell. Well, if God really loved people, then he would have never created hell for God didn't create hell for people. Oh, no. He did not. He created it for the devil and for his age. Never, never created it for people. Well, then why do some people go to hell? Because people just choose to go their whole life without God. And what they wanted in, in life here on earth, they get forever life without God. I mean, if it wasn't all of the other stuff that are unthinkable in regards to hell, just separation from God forever and forever and forever. I mean... You, you think about this, and I, I, this, this is just a spontaneous thought, which is very scary, by the way. But if you were to think, take all the good people, that people that you would say are, are good people, take all the people that you would say are good people in this world, and immediately you take them out of this world, and the chaos and the evil and the darkness that would reign, how many of you know that would not be a world you would want to live in if all of a sudden all the good people were taken out of this world? How many of you know that would be a horrible place to live? That does not even typify how bad hell will be. I mean, it will, it will be unimaginable. But God didn't create that for you. He created a place that He wants you to spend eternity with Him forever and forever. Look at this very important verse. It's John 1, 12. Look at it on the screen. Yet to all who received Him, to those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become one. Children of God. Guys, if you'd keep that verse up on the screen, don't, don't move it yet. 
There's two really, really, really big words I want you to see in this verse. First one is received. The second one is believed. And that's what you've got to do. God loves you. It's obvious. God cares about you in a way that you can't. I mean, so much that he's been good to you even when you were not very good. That he's felt your pain and he's seen your tears and that he sent his son Jesus the best that he had at Christmas and how that Jesus will grow up and go to the cross and die in your place. Why? Because God loves you and that's the only way that our sins would ever be able to be forgiven and God has made all of that available to us. Why? Because God wants us to spend eternity with him and you say, well, can that become a reality for my life? Yes, it can. But you've got to believe and receive. You've got to believe that Jesus is who he claimed to be, that he's the son of God. You've got to believe that Jesus actually accomplished what God sent him into this world to accomplish, and that is to purchase our salvation, to become our sacrificial lamb, to become our atonement, our substitutionary atonement, that he became our substitute, that all of us should have been nailed to the cross, but Jesus said, no, here's what I'm going to do. Rather than you be nailed to the cross for your sins, why don't you just let me take all of your sins upon me? Because I'm doing this for all people. And, but you've got to believe that, and you've got to receive it. In fact, why would you not receive the greatest gift that could ever be given us at Christmas time, and that's the gift of salvation. Look at this next verse, Acts 10.35 says this, it makes no difference who you are or where you're from if you want God and are ready to do what he says, the door is what? And it's open to you. You say, but Jeff, you don't understand. You don't know who I am. You don't know what I've done. You don't know how bad I've been. You don't know how I've hurt others. No, I don't know all those things. But this is what I know, that the door is open to you. The door is open to you. You've got to believe. You've got to receive. And the door is open to you. You've got to walk through. You've got to receive what Jesus did for you. One last verse, and we're done. Acts 2.21, and I want everybody to read it with me. It, too, is an all-people Christmas kind of verse. Look at it with me. And... Everyone, that's all people, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Would everybody stand to your feet right now? Everybody stand to your feet and close your eyes. Do not leave yet. We're actually ahead of schedule, but this will not take long. Your head is bowed, your eyes are closed right where you're standing. If you say, you know what, I, I know that God has been good to me. I know that God has been so good to me, better than I deserve, and I certainly don't want what I deserve. And I believe, I believe according to what you've shown me on the screen and what you've read and what the Bible said, that God feels my pain, that he knows my hurts, he knows my anxiety and my, my worries and my anxiousness. I believe that God sent his son, Jesus, to die for all people, and all people include includes me. And Jeff, I'd love to have the confidence to know that one day when my heart stops beating and I live on, not in my body here on earth, but I live on, that I live on, not in hell, but in heaven with God who's prepared a place for me. You got to believe. You got to believe. And you got to receive. It's not just enough to believe it. 
Even the devil believes it. And the, the devil will have no, no dwelling place in heaven. I will assure you of that. The devil believes. But you've got to receive. You've got to receive what Jesus did for you. The door is open to you. And if you, everyone, all people, call on his name, they're going to be saved. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. If you say, and I want to be real clear about what we're about to pray. We're going to pray it silently in our heart, in our mind, but we're going to pray. And if you say, Jeff, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Jeff, I believe that Jesus went to the cross and died in my place. I believe that he paid the penalty for my sin. I believe that. And now I want to receive Jesus as my Savior, my forgiver, my leader. I want to receive him into my life personally. Those are going to be the people who get into heaven. It's those who personally know Jesus. Those who get in are going to get in because of who they know. And you've got to know Jesus to get into heaven. If that's you, I want you to, nobody's looking around. You don't even open your eyes. You just lift your hand straight up. Let me see it. Let me see it. I see your hand. Keep it up for just a moment, please. I want to look all around, and I see your hand. I'm just looking one side to the next. Just lift it up for just a moment. I see your hand right back there. I see your hand. I see your hand here. Keep it up for just a moment, please. I see your hand about midway, right back there in the white shirt. See your hand. See your hand up there. Over on my left, your right. Lift your hand so I can see it. See your hand right back there. See your hand, the person next to you. See your hand right here. See your hand right down front. I see your hand right over here. I see two hands right there. I see your hand back over there. Anybody else? I see your hand way in the back. I see your I see your hand way in the back. I see your hand. Anybody else? Just lift your hand. I wanna I wanna receive. I believe. Now I wanna receive. With your head still bowed and your eyes still still closed, right there in your heart, in your mind, would you pray this prayer? Something like this. You just pray it, and you even as I pray it, you can say, mm-hmm, "That's that's it. That's what I'm praying. That's what I'm believing." Something like this, dear God. Thank you for your goodness to me. I can't thank you enough. You've been so good to me. I thank you, God, that I have not got what I deserve. Thank you for loving me. Thank you, God, for loving me. You've been good to me and you love me. And that you understand me. You care about my pain. I really do want to spend forever in heaven with you. And that is why you died on the cross for me so that I could do that. So during this Christmas season, Jesus, I choose to believe that you're who you said you are. Jesus, I choose to believe that you went to the cross and died for my sins. Because of it, I receive you. Jesus, I receive you right now. Save me. Save me, Jesus. Save me. Forgive me of my sin. Be the leader of my life. And give me the confidence to know that one day when my heart stops beating, I'm going to wake up in heaven and be there forever and forever. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, can you give Jesus a shout and a hand clap? Thank you, God. We praise you, God. You're an awesome God. Well, for those of you that raised your hand and prayed that prayer, this I promise With God's help, it's going to be the best Christmas you ever have. Because even when things may not be going completely right, you will know that you personally know Jesus and you're in right standing with God. I love you. Have an awesome week. See you right back here for a one-hour Christmas season next Sunday.